Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Caleb Cabe, and I'm the pastoral assistant here at Reconcile. I've been uh, working here for over a year now, and me and my family have been attending Reconcile for over two years. So that's a little about myself. If you know a lot about me, you know that um, I like helping people. Uh, if, you, if you care about the Enneagram and all that stuff, I'm a, I'm a two, which means I'm the helper. So I love, I love to help people. I love to be needed. I like to feel wanted by people. Um, I like to feel like I can help people and, and that, that they need my help. Um, but if, if you know a little bit about me, another interesting fact is that I only like to help people when it's my idea. If someone asks me to help them with something, I'm less inclined to do it than if I come up with the idea. So, for example, if I'm making my coffee in the morning, sometimes I'll say, Alina, would you like a cup of coffee? And then I'll pour it for her. I'll ask if she wants any cream or sugar, and I'll make it how she wants it. But if I'm making my coffee and Alina says, Caleb, can you make me some coffee too? Then a little bit inside, I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I really want to do that. So I only like to serve when it's my idea, even though in reality, normally I like to serve people. Well, what we're going to see in today's passage is that the logic of God's kingdom is different than the logic of the world. The logic of God's kingdom is different than the logic of the world. So, for example, in the Bible, God says that the husband is to be the leader of the home. But then the Bible also says the, the husband is supposed to lead his home by serving his wife. That seems kind of opposite from what we would expect a leader to do. And so in this passage that we're going to read today, we see that Jesus has all authority. Jesus is the highest authority and he chooses to serve his disciples. So we're going to be reading from John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It's John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said, Jesus replied. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. The one who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, for he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. 
This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on their outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen. But the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you that when Jesus came to the earth, he did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to lay his life down for us. God, help us to adopt um, this behavior that, that Jesus had, that he came to serve. God, help us to, to, to serve people, to lay our lives down for others. God, I pray that, that you would speak through your word and that you would change our hearts, that we would follow you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus has all authority. Look at verse 1. It says that Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And so Jesus knows that he is about to die. Imagine if you knew you were going to die in a couple of days. What are the types of things that you would do in your last moments here on the earth. I feel like um, for, the ima- for the average American, we would sp- spend our time seeking pleasure, trying to enjoy ourselves, trying different foods that maybe we haven't had before, maybe going to experience different things that we've never experienced before. Maybe we have a bucket list. Maybe there's a list of things that you want to do before you die. And so we would work and start trying to check off those last things before we died. Or maybe you think, man, I got to get my money straight. I got to take care of my people when I'm gone. Well, Jesus, in his last moments, chose to love and to serve his disciples. Look at the end of verse 1. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so in the last moments of Jesus' life, rather than using those moments for his own pleasure, for his own gratification, instead he chooses to serve and to lay down his life for his disciples. This is totally against the American dream. The American dream is that you work your whole life, try to get as much money as possible, so you can retire as early as possible, so for the last part of your life, you can enjoy yourself, you can, you can travel, you can do whatever fun you want to do to enjoy yourself in the last moments 
of your life. And this is exactly the opposite of what Jesus does. In the last moments of his life, rather than thinking about himself, rather than thinking about the things that he would want to do, he chooses to lay down his life and to serve his disciples. And so we know that we can trust Jesus because he's proven himself to be trustworthy. When we hear the word authority, there might be all sorts of negative things that come into our mind. We may think of abuse of power, of of oppression, of, of selfishness. We may think of police brutality. We may think whatever we think that comes to our mind when we hear the word authority, most of the time we have a negative view of that authority. But let me tell you this, that Jesus has all authority. He has more authority than any human institution, and he is better than any human institution. He has proven that he is an authority that we can trust because he is not wrapped up in pleasing himself. He's not wrapped up in oppressing people. Instead, Jesus chooses to serve and to lay his life down for us. Man, what kind of a leader lays his life down for his followers. This is a leader that we can trust. This is a leader that we can believe, a leader that we can love. And so we should trust Jesus. Another thing that Jesus knew, says in verse 2, that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. And in verse 11, it says that Jesus knew who would betray him. And so Jesus, he's sitting at the table with his disciples in one of the last moments of his life. And he's sitting there reclined at the table. He has his friends all around him, his best friends that he's had in this life. And one of those friends he knows is going to betray him. He knows that one of those friends has already stabbed him in the back. He sold him out for some cheap change. And Jesus knowing this, still chooses in some of the last moments of his life to serve this disciple who has betrayed him. Man, if Jesus is a leader who chooses to lay his life down for those who follow him and lay his life down to serve one who is going to betray him, we know that we can trust Jesus. We know that we can follow Jesus because he is a good leader. He is one who has authority, who deserves to have that authority, who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our obedience. And look at verse 3. Jesus knows that he has authority. In verse 3 it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back from God. So let's break this down a little bit. The first thing, he says that he knows that God had given him all authority. One of the last things that Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, it says, he says that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So God has given Jesus all authority. 
And he knew that he was fully God. It says that he came from God. Jesus knew that he had created the world, that he, he is eternal. He's always existed. He always will exist. In Colossians 2.9, it says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Jesus knew that he was fully God, that he was God in flesh. And the third thing he knew, he knew that he was going back to God. And this is important because when Jesus ascended to heaven, there were some things that happened with that. In Ephesians 1, verses 20 through 22, it says that he was raised far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet. And so let's break this down a little bit. It says that Jesus, when he ascended, he was raised far above every ruler and authority. That means every human institution, every government, every president, every king. Jesus is raised far above any human institution that we see on this earth. He was raised far above every power and dominion. This means that Jesus is, has more authority than a demon, than Satan, than, than witchcraft. Jesus has more authority than any of those things. And just in case this hasn't covered everything that we face in this life, it says that Jesus has raised far above every title given. So no matter what title you could give a person or a being, Jesus has more authority than that. And just in case you're still not convinced, it says that Jesus has been given this authority not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In other words, Jesus has been given this authority forever. Jesus has all authority. And so we need to ask the question, what does Jesus do with all of this authority. In verses 4 and 5, we can see that Jesus uses his authority to serve. Jesus, knowing he has all authority, decides to lay his life down. And so in verse 4, we see that Jesus took the form of a servant. It says, He got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. This may not mean much to us in this day, but that is what the servants of the house would wear. They would wear a towel around himself. And so Jesus is not afraid to look like a servant. He takes on the form of a servant. In Philippians 4, um, it says that Jesus took on the form of a servant by putting on flesh. And so Jesus isn't afraid to look like a servant because... He knows who he is. He knows he has all authority. He knows that God the Father has given all things into his hand. And so he's not afraid to look like a servant. Jesus chooses to look like a servant. And then he does the work of a servant. In verse 5, he picks up, he, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And so this, this practice isn't really done in our day, but back in the first century, when people would travel, 
They would be walking on a dirt road for miles and miles in the hot sun. So they're walking on a dirt road. Sometimes horses would fly by, throwing dirt up into the air. And they're walking for miles and miles in the hot sun with nothing but sandals on their feet. And so you can imagine by the time they got to their destination, their feet were pretty dirty. They were pretty stinky. They were pretty gross. And so what would happen is when guests, guests would arrive at a house, the servants of the house would come and they would wash the feet of whoever the guests were so that they could feel clean and refreshed as they were at the house. Well, Jesus, he's already dressed like a servant. He's, he's taken on the form of a servant. And now he does the act of serving his disciples by washing their feet. Look, Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't afraid of our mess. Jesus isn't afraid of our dirt. Jesus isn't afraid of our sin. He knows all of the sin that we've hidden in the closet that we would never tell anyone. He knows those things that we have done. And he's not afraid of it. He's willing to get his hands dirty and actually come into the mess that we've created and clean us up. Man, this, this act that Jesus has done for his disciples was not simply an act of washing their feet. But Jesus says that it pointed to a greater reality. It pointed to something bigger. So Peter, he's, Jesus starts to wash his feet. And Peter says, no, Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. But what, what does Jesus say in verse 7? He says, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You see, Jesus is telling Peter, no, this is pointing to something bigger. This is something that you have to do. Because we are all dirty, right? We're all sinful. We all contribute to the brokenness that we see around us in the world. And we're covered in this sin. And to be in the presence of Jesus, we first need to be cleaned. We first need to be washed. We need to be cleansed from our sin. And Jesus is saying, this, is, this washing of your feet is a physical picture of what needs to be done in your heart. And so Peter says, okay, okay, not only don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. Wash my hands, wash my head, wash out everything. He's trying to be a little extra here. And Jesus says, no, the one who is bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet but he is completely clean. So what Jesus is saying here is we can't do anything to wash ourselves more than Jesus has washed us. In Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, he has declared us perfectly righteous in the eyes of God. And he's taken away our sin on himself, on the cross, so that we can be forgiven of our sin. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our filth, he doesn't see our dirt, he doesn't see our sin and the stains all over us. He sees instead Christ's perfection placed on us. And so anything that we do to try to add to that, any good works we may try to accomplish so that God would see us in a better light, we can't look better than Jesus looks. And we already look like Jesus looks because of what he's done for us. And so it's silly to think 
that anything we could do could make us look better in the eyes of God. And then in verse 13 through 15, Jesus, Jesus explains who he is. Verse 13, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So let's break down what this means. First, we're going to look at Lord. Jesus says that you call me Lord, this is who I am. But what is a Lord? A Lord is like a master. A Lord is like a king. And so Jesus is saying, you're right, I am the king. Because I have more authority than anything that exists. God, Jesus has been given all authority. And so he has the right to tell us what to do. Because he's the king of all. He's allowed to tell us how we should live our lives. But Jesus isn't simply the Lord. He is the Lord, but he's more. He says that I am the teacher. So Jesus doesn't just give us a list of rules and say, good luck, figure it out. No, Jesus comes and teaches us how we should follow the rules, how we can follow the rules. See, Jesus is loving enough to show us what to do. He stepped into the mess that we had created and physically showed us an example of what it looks like to follow God. In Hebrews 4, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus physically comes into the mess that we have created, and he shows us what it looks like to follow God. And he serves people while in this broken world. And man, this picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, of serving them, is a picture of the gospel. So Jesus had created, he created the whole world by speaking it into existence. And when he had created the world, he said, it is good. It is very good. So the world was created good. There wasn't sin. There wasn't brokenness. There wasn't divorce. There wasn't trafficking. The world was created good. And humans were created in the image of God. We were supposed to be God's rulers in the earth. We were supposed to rule the way that God would rule the earth. But instead, we fell. We chose to, to, instead of following what God has told us to do, we decided we wanted to be gods, and we wanted to do what we wanted to do. And so we rebelled against God, and we sinned. And because of that sin, we are now separated from God. If we were looking at the scene of Jesus sitting with his disciples, we are not Jesus in this picture. We're Judas. We're the disciple who has stabbed Jesus in the back. And so how does Jesus respond to our brokenness, to our sin, to our rebellion? Well, he comes and he takes on the form of a servant by taking on flesh. And he served us through his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. 
man, this is good news for us. Because we know that Jesus, who has all authority, has served us through his death, and he now says that we have the righteousness of God. And so what do we do with this information? If you believe that Jesus has died for your sins and that you have been forgiven, what should you do? Well, you should repent and you should believe. You should look at the brokenness that you are contributing to and say, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want to continue in this sin. I don't want to continue hurting people the way that I have been. And you would turn around and you would say, I want to follow Jesus. Whatever Jesus says I'm supposed to do as my Lord, I want to do those things. Not because I'm trying to look good in his sight. I already know that he sees me perfect. But I want to follow him because he loves me so much. Because he served me so much. I want to do the same. And so, as we, as we try to apply this passage, we need to think about who are people in our life that we have authority over. If we've been given some sort of authority, even if it's just a perceived authority, how are we using that authority to serve those that we have authority over? And so me, as a husband, I need to be thinking about how am I going to serve and to love my wife? Me, as a a white man, I'm going to be asking, how am I going to serve minority groups? Because I've been given some sort of social authority. How am I going going to use that? to serve those that I have authority over in some sort of way. And so, as we think about that, let's pray. Jesus, you came to the earth and you chose to serve rather than to be served. Jesus, as as I'm put into different leadership positions or different authority positions. God, would you give me wisdom to know how I can serve those around me? How I can lay my life down, lay my preferences down for others? God, help me to follow you more. Help me to serve those around me. Help me to show the love of Christ to people around me. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.